0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to New Books in Russian and Eurasian Studies on the New Books Network. My name is Diana Dehanova, and I will be your host today. Uh, And I'm speaking with Dr. Sofia Gavrilova, who is a postdoctoral researcher at the Leibniz Institute for Regional Geography in Leipzig, and a human geographer of post-Soviet spaces, about her monograph, Russia's Regional Museums. Representing and misrepresenting knowledge about nature, history, and society. Dr. Gavrilova, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for inviting. Me. It's my pleasure. Um. So to start us off, can you talk just a bit about your research background and kind of how you became interested in this topic?
1: Yes, for sure. Um, actually, I have my background in physical geography, so I was uh, I got my first. PhD degree, which is called or referred to quite often as candidate's degree of science, from Moscow State University. When I was studying uh, snow avalanches in mountains,
0: oh, I was wow. fascinated-
1: <laughs> yeah, I was fascinated by um, natural disasters. So I've done my first PhD in natural disasters, actually. Um, but then um, I kind of lack the possibility to go deeply in theory um, and in like critical studies that I wanted to and um, I uh, when I first started drafting my application my PhD application because because the book is based on my PhD project at uh, University of Oxford um, of course it was very um, wide and unstructured and very bad application Um, and I was just curious how the places are represented and what are the images that are constructed in different media, including uh, propaganda media, which started to appear launched by Russian geographical society. And then um, I started to look more closely on what is feasible in three years. And I just, you know, came across um, a small museum uh, near my dacha near my country house um, um, in Moscow region, and um, the Kravya Museum. And I was just fascinated again. I kind of recall this um, emotions of how they look alike, how these museums look alike in different places. And um, yeah, and that's uh, aligned with with my initial research proposal and the necessity to narrow it down. And that is how I kind of decided to ded- dedicate the whole research to the network mm-hmm. of the museums.
0: It's, it's such an innovative uh, project. I just really, really enjoyed this um, because I think I mentioned when I first um, asked you to do this interview that I'm also looking at some similar questions around sacred space um, in Russia. And there's just so little um, so little that's been done so far. So I was very excited to find find your book. Thank you very
1: much. Yes, uh, I, I, um, this is also something which surprised me a lot when I started doing the research that creating a network in generally and the museums in particular somehow were uh, massively overlooked in recent um in the recent years in in academia so there are like studies of korea done <laughs> within korea scholarship in russia you know like history of korea and things like mm-hmm. this but there are really not that much critical approaches and um which is still lacking like, which i kind of fail to do is try to place a Museum as a distant type of socialist museum, in kind of embedded into the museum scholarship. Mm-hmm. That is also something that is, I think, uh, has to be
0: done. Yeah. Mm. Yet. Um, and what was your research and particularly your field work experience like?
1: Oh, um, I enjoyed it very much. Um, I think it's, um, I well, I spent almost every summer um, during these three, four years and uh, even a couple of winters in the different parts of Russia. And uh, because I decided to kind of pursue this uh, diachronical approach, so I um, this, the present state of the museums was equally important as their archival work. Um, I, you know, have chosen the places which I was interested in and um, that's just, I was, I'm still very grateful that uh, I had an opportunity to go to all these places and to meet all these people and to talk to them. So um, it was amazing. Um, It was just really breathtaking experiences, experience visiting visiting the, both the museums the local and regional archives and being able to actually drive to the places that
0: um, that I was eager to see
1: mm-hmm um,
0: so um, the cryviddinia the museum um, you talk in your introduction about how it's kind of ubiquitous right there's almost uh, it exists in every town or city um, so what is their main purpose
1: I think it depends on the time period that we're talking about. So I would say that um, if we try to generalize their main purpose is to uh, reflect or to create um, a certain amount uh, of patterns a citizen can um, kind of uh, feel connected with or react to, and what difference? Fr- what difference? Through uh, the history of Croatia, is who was creating these patterns and how they were selected? What how the objects were selected to reflect those? Uh, but the main purpose is just to uh, show that typical, which placed them kind of on completely different spectrum from, for example, ethnographical museum who are mm-hmm. who wore and are um, to a certain extent showing. Um, Untypical, right? Some the curiosities, right? They oh, yeah. uh, uh, grew up from the cabinets of curiosities uh, in, in in Europe, and Kravetni Museum is showing typical. So I would say that for a visitor, for a tourist, uh, they fulfill the function of um, uh, just showing what the place consists of, um, and for locals. Uh, I think the main purpose is to create this um, construction of a place identity um, they can or they should um, kind of uh, feel connected, they should connect to. That's what I would put it. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, and just to define for um, listeners who don't um, know the language, what is what is the meaning of Krajavidzinyi?
1: so um it it means literally uh learning your local lore or looking your uh small mo- little motherland motherhood and sorry motherland and um, uh, in 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 scholarly tradition in western academic tradition it's usually reduced to the local history which I'm kind of trying to uh, confront in my book, because I think that apart from historical narrative, uh, the narr- the um, representation of nature and society and studying the nature and the society are equally important, uh, are also important um, in the concept. So just saying that it's local history, I think it's a simplification of the concept. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what it stands for. hmm
0: um, so in the introduction, you write, I'm gonna just quote, um, museums are not just an important and gravely understudied aspect of the region's cultural landscape, uh, but a very powerful example of the decolonization of the predominant Western paradigm of knowledge production. Um, so I just thought this was so interesting. Could you talk a little bit about how your study broadens this paradigm um, of the geographies of scientific knowledge?
1: Oh, wow. I really, I really wrote it. Oh, that's that's good. yes, show. that's your word. <laughs> no, I think what I was, uh, I was, I was, um, what I was trying to say that um, as as we um, talked before, that krywdinie uh, is a specific form of knowledge production, which uh, is, is kind of unique right? And which is represented in a material form in Krajewedinia museums. But apart from my museums, you know, there are tons and tons of literature and texts written by scholars and volunteers in 20th century through these lands of Krajewedinia, right? And uh, for example, if you start looking into, like, literature what was, was written. Uh, there are books on how should be taught in schools. There were Aspirantura, like the uh, PhD degrees in uh, Krajvedinja in universities. So th- it was really, I think, a lot of efforts were put into kind of justification of this uh, discipline slash research methods, because this is also what was unclear for the Soviet scholars. What are they actually trying to um to embed in academia in uh, Soviet mm-hmm. academia? Is it a research method or is it um, an, um discipline or is it just something which goes parallel with the um, official? um science as you know um uh, sorry i missed the world as um what is it as um um a citizen science, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, and I even tried to make this parallel in my book, saying that actually, if we look in the research design of Krivetsnaya, it looks really, really similar to many um, civil science research projects that we're witnessing now, but pre-internet right mm-hmm. in the times where there was no uh, possibility to use the internet so like uh, i think it's it's important to uh, embed these initiatives and i'm quite sure that there are a lot of them when you know it's not a unique thing in terms of just different way of producing knowledge geographical knowledge ethnographical knowledge um historical narratives uh, from um the predominant ways it was done uh let's say in mid century um west whatever west we stand, whatever we call west mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. that europe and us so that's what i'm trying to say i'm just trying that i think that it's uh, it's interesting to see kravedenie as an alternative form of knowledge production which you know was uh, set up and um, run for almost i would say 50 years uh, as a state sponsored uh, project of knowledge production
0: mm-hmm. um, so you mentioned um, there's like more than 800 of these museums in Russia right so how did you decide which ones you were going to include in your case studies
1: yeah that's a very good question so um, I um, started so I um, my starting point was the hypothesis that um or just curiosity why uh, the museum looks so alike right so i was mm-hmm. uh, driven by that question and so i just started to think where i can find um different narratives and different representations and so that is how uh, my um attempt shows you know the most distant places as chukotka or um, the distance, or the regions with very mixed uh, ethnographical um, background, like Yakutia, for example, or the um, T- Tatarstan, which is a Muslim region. So mm-hmm. this is like was the 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 logic behind of that. I'm just was trying to choose uh, places which I would expect them to challenge the Crimeanian representation. Or um, to produce um, where I would expect to find something different.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how long did your field work take? Um, I would say that
1: I've done it uh, in a wrong way. Also, I <laughs> well, I spent the first summer uh, in the archives. And then I just traveled every summer back. So let me count. So I think it was three uh, field seasons in total. I would mm-hmm. say about half a year if we count them all the months together. But I was trying to spend time in Oxford as well uh, because I was um, eager to um, kind of uh, participate in the Oxford life. So I would say that I, would, I was dedicating summers to the field work and uh, it was basically every summer for three years
0: mm-hmm. three and a half mm-hmm. years. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that, That's pretty typical, right, kind of uh, trajectory. Um, so you mentioned before uh, that the this concept of this museum is obviously it's part of Soviet ethnography, geography, history. So what are some of the key Soviet academic theories that shape um, how these museums uh, were kind of created and promulgated?
1: Well, I would say that um, they...
0: Sh-
1: speaking about like theory behind um, well not behind but like in, in this book
0: mm-hmm. I would
1: say that it's equally important to um, talk about what shaped the presence and also an absence of certain narratives and mm-hmm. places and um, um, peoples in the in the in the museum so um, I think that um, it's uh, the 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 link between the predominant theories uh, like uh, you know the in geography the predominance of Marxist-Leninist approach towards um, uh, geography and the importance of well we can't call it strictly ge- um, environmental determinism but like the the influence of environmental de- determinism which says that the way people look and behave um, is explained by the, um, you know, climatic conditions and, you know, Mm -hmm. environment where they live. That's all shaped um, the expositions. I would say that if we talk about um, ethnography and history, of course, in in all the museums, um, the history is the history of the Russian state, in in a place right so even when you go to Chukotka even if you go to very distant villages um where nobody goes to um uh, you'll still see that the local museums will kind of show the history of the soviet presence in Chukotka and soviet colonization of Chukotka not the indigenous histories um so i think like this is the this is how um historical approaches and soviet policies uh in nation building and mastering the backwards and i put it in uh brackets in in, in the quote, quote quote i'm quoting the the mm-hmm. documents yeah the um, um, um what is it um, um, educating the backwards nation right that that's how mm-hmm. it's called so that's where we see uh, uh origins of the expositions, the expositions that we see but also it's equally interesting to see for example then uh, that even in the larger cities the museums do not show the city itself so the city kind of is never present and that is because you know the, the urban studies and social economical geographies uh, were not that popular in Soviet times so they have completely different uh-huh approaches um, to study the um, the influence of a human on uh, landscapes and on building cities and things like that. So I think when I was trying to say that this uh, the museums reflect the predominant theories, I was referring to this mostly, I would mm-hmm. say. I hope it's clear.
0: Yeah, and that's really yeah. that surprises me actually. That the the city itself was not even even included in the museums. That's that's really fascinating. Um, so actually on, on that same topic, so um, a key element of your analysis, which you, I think you already mentioned, is this idea of um, what you call the common unsaid, which you mm-hmm. described as the negative form of a cultural myth. Um, so I'm going to quote again. Um, you write that the common unsaid represents a historical event or landscape that is set aside and omitted from public discourse, despite its influence on a society or local environment. Um, and you argue that the Krajavidinia museums played a key role in the development of these uh soviet common unsaid's um, so could you talk a little bit more about this
1: <clears throat> sure um i uh, i find it really really um actually important to talk about this um and i only you know scratch the surface with my book because um I think that uh, what is omitted and what is not shown and what is not uh, talked about is, as we all know from you know memory studies and yeah. uh, his uh, and, like critical histories, um, is 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 the most intriguing. But I think it's it's really important to see that concept and or to stretch this concept beyond just historical narrative. Um, so it's it's really easy to you know to say that we know that there have been thousands of gulag camps and they're not shown okay this is the common set that is like the absence that museum mm-hmm. is um producing and reproducing um but apart from that there are equally um the places which are not shown you know and um, I, th- found, I find it also um, important not to stick to not showing, but actually seeing that as I um, wrote uh, I- I- in my book as the uh, different methods, different discursive techniques of how um, these unsaids could be created, right. And here I um, kind of build upon Bart and Svetlana Boehm. So mm-hmm. I take from uh, a uh myth-making um, discourse of techniques. And I kind of, you know, then build on poems uh, uh, how they were co- constructed or, you know, reproduced it in silences. And I'm just trying to say that, you know, when you go on the website uh, uh, of gulag museums in russia and you see these numbers of museums which mention the present of the gulag well i think it's it's not enough just to uh, be happy that so many regional museums are talking about gulag because the way they do you know it's also important and if you don't for example embed the um, the state of the place's economy if you don't embed the history of the gulag in that, right? Or if you just uh, put um, one um, A4 paper about the gulag in the corner, <laughs> that is, yeah, in, in Perm or in Yakutsk. That is not enough. So we can say, yeah, okay, we acknowledge the presence of the gulag, but, you know, it's 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 that's not true actually, right? This is just, uh, yeah. So I think there are all these discursive techniques um, which create this false, or not, well, we can't say false because we don't have a truth, but which which create quite a h- twisted narrative. Um, and this narrative can include the total exclusion, uh, but also all other forms of uh myth making, um like acknowledging, like inoculation, acknowledging the part of an evil, not to acknowledge the evil to a certain to to a bigger extent, right? Mm-hmm. The classic parts example, um which are important to be named and you know kind of revealed. Um so yeah that's that's what I meant by it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I wanted to circle back for a minute to something you said earlier, um, that even if you're um, you know, in Chukutka or some very remote region, there will still be a museum. And I'm just wondering if there's any difference in sort of a museum that seems to be geared for the local population to learn about their own region versus in a bigger place that might be for tourists, or are they, were they kind of uh, curated in the same ways? Uh. Can you repeat it again?
1: I'm not sure that uh, I, I got what you're asking. Um,
0: oh, sure. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking, so if you have a museum in a remote um, mm-hmm. city where there's not a lot of tourists, right? Um, is there any difference between a museum, um, a Karavid and a museum in that kind of city as opposed to a more populous city that will have tourists in addition mm-hmm. to the local population looking at it?
1: Well, yes. You know, that's the most fascinating part. Uh, actually, no. And there mm-hmm. is, uh, I couldn't, I was trying to find a patterns of um, creating uh, or contesting the narrative, the Soviet narrative. Uh, I was trying to find this pattern and I couldn't. So basically the history is that um, the, the centralized governance of Krajewedinia Museum started to uh, decline in 1950s. And right now, well, at least until the last year, um, that's something we can discuss later. There was no centralized governance of the network. So there, there was uh, the gap for the freedom and the gap, the space and time where uh, kraveny museum could have actually, um, you know, re- redo the expositions. And many of them did. For example, again, uh, the museum in Tomsk, the fascinating museum in Tomsk, uh, who won a lot of their exp- uh, exposition won a lot of grants in, in Moscow, but also internationally. Who started to challenge uh, the Soviet heritage in their museums? You know, who started to uh, implement new approaches and new narratives and engage with public. And they've done the whole uh, project about the relocation identity because a lot of people in the region were just uh, the uh children and grandchildren of those who were sent to tomsk um by the soviet authorities um um, deported and uh, they've done it and this is tomsk it's a quite a big city while in um um in in, again in my small villages in chukotka um, the beautiful ladies who run the museum would tell completely different story to me if we're in a museum and if we're drinking tea, you know, uh, and mm-hmm. they're just t- telling me the story of their families. That would be completely different narratives and they would not make an effort. No, I don't want to say that, that it sounds wrong. They would not kind of understand that they have the power, maybe, to influence the exposition in the museum.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: That's really interesting right so yeah, there's so, kind of... so yeah answering to your question, no, I could not find where this freedom to um to, to redo the ex- uh, I- exhibitions what it depended on what you depend mm-hmm. on mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that's really interesting that there's kind of two narratives coexisting right in the, in the same space and in the the space in which you are kind of determines how you present it
1: mhm mhm.
0: Uh, so um one of the most fascinating uh, aspects of, of this study was um how the museums construct and present nature and the relationship between humans and nature. So could you talk about that a bit?
1: Yeah, sure. Um the as I so the book is structured um in like analyzing the the gold this golden triad uh, of Crvenina, mm-hmm. so which it's also you know it's it's only appeared in uh, 1930s because um, before that there was a certain freedom in the way Crvenina museums were the ones which existed before 1930s, of course, uh, how they represented um, the their place and it was not so uh, it was not a golden rule that they would divide their space onto these three areas so it's only that period in 1930s and um what fascinated me with these instructions on the representation that they were so detailed so that's where this sovietness where this um the same kind of representation and narrative comes from right um which we see in all the museums so they were very detailed and um the Soviet, uh, ideas of human nature relationships were very specific, right? They, uh, from one hand, they, um, uh, they were talking about the importance of a socialist man and their, and it's, mm-hmm. um, uh, power over the nature and power to change the nature. And that where all this beautiful project of, um, turning rivers, you know, and uh, forestation and deforestation come from. So from one hand, all, almost all the museums would have this. Um, but from the other hand, as um, kind of to manage the consequences of that, they would have this concept of uh, free uh, virgin nature, um, which is untouched by a human being, you know, and that leads us, for example, to the appearance of zapovedniki, a very specific type of land conservation initiatives in Soviet times where this, there were um, hundreds of um, just places which, we were, which were banned from any human presence, right? So I think that is what you can quite easily find in every museum. Um, this kind of coexistence from one hand on the imp- um importance of the um mineral deposits uh of you know of, of oil of any kind of mineral you can find in a land how it can be, uh or was um used by um. Uh, Places, economy, and what was done with it. Um, And then, on the other hand, it would uh, have this beautiful, uh, sometimes even painted um, um, draw, like with drawings and uh, pieces of uh, background walls painted with this uh, very, very pristine uh, paisages. As Mm -hmm. there were no one present. So I would say this is quite predominant. And also, of course, there's going to be a lot of stuffed animals, um, like the uh, beer and uh, um, who else would be there? Moose, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What else? I think that's the main part. So, uh, uh, and it's interesting because um, in. It's literally in the museums uh, in Perm, in Yakutsk, and in Anader, you would see the um, part of the exhibition with fur, for example, about the fur production, you know, and this is, would be the part of the representation of the nature. So things like this.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so, so like embedding it in the local economy simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I know our listeners will be wondering sort of, um, what has the role of these museums been in the Putin era and do they, to what extent do they kind of get involved in, um, sort of Putin ideology, Putin era knowledge production?
1: <clears throat> yeah. And this is, um, very interesting, um, topic because, uh, when I was doing my research and it was, um, in two thousand. 14 15 16 um the the whole network seemed to be kind of abandoned by uh, governmental discourse so uh of course you know you could you could you you could you could have seen like the presence of the portrait of Putin or Medvedev but there were no uh, str- what well, no strong state sponsored propaganda there would be more like soviet heritage than like new developments and what was uh, even more surprising that in parallel to that in the big cities in the city with a population more than one million uh, people they started to build these new museums which called russia my story russia my history mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like this mu- huge uh, museum parks you know they like expo parks where they would put state-sponsored narrative so Fine. for yeah so for a certain time these two networks even coexisted and crazy network was actually well it's looked like it was abandoned and it started to open up to the new craving uh, initiative for example which tried to bring creating back to more to indigenous local production and family histories and local histories uh but what happened uh, last December, before the before the start of the uh, war, is that the Ministry of Culture presented the new concept of Krevedny Museum and the new standard of Krevedny Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the conference uh, in Saint Petersburg, and uh, then, like the community, uh, started to fear that maybe um, this is going to be the new uh the new future of the network so that they were going to be developed the new standards um and they will be just implemented from above as it was done in 1930s or in 1950s and apart and uh, so and right now it's really hard to say as you can imagine uh, what's mm-hmm. happening in there mm
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so of, of course, the, it's it's a, we're in, a, in time in flux. Um, and flux, and my historia certainly has um, its own very, very uh, kind of noticeable, readable um, ideology embedded into it. Um, so, um, to wrap up our conversation, could you talk a little bit about your current projects, and is this something you're still working on?
1: Sure. Uh, now, I am not working on on this project anymore at least for now though I uh, would really uh, love to engage more with the um, history intellectual history of Krajavedenia and definitely would be interesting to look in more details in the way Krajavedenia network in other former Soviet uh, countries um, exists now Mm -hmm. if at all right now I'm working on the question on the geographical education uh in present Russia and in late Soviet times. And my other project is dedicated to the uh, Russian immigration, after war immigration. Um, and I'm trying to look at the receiving communities in Georgia and Armenia and how um the what how if at all we can frame and define what is perceived to be imperial behavior Uh, from the newly uh, arrived Russians. So I'm looking at the tensions and um, uh, narratives that are happening uh, around the new wave of Russian immigration to these countries.
0: That is is really interesting. Um, I will look forward to that research as well. Um, Well, uh, thank you for listening to New Books in Russian and Eurasian Studies on the New Books Network. I have been speaking with Dr. Sofia Gavrilova, author of Russia's Regional Museums, Representing and Misrepresenting Knowledge About Nature, History, and Society, uh, now available from Rutledge. Dr. Gavrilova, thank you again for joining me today. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure.